I got into this because I'd had enough. I was fed up, but I got to put my words into action because I felt that at that moment when I spoke to the Board of Supervisors, there was millions of people listening. As I've sort of become a leader in this movement, I've realized that people want nothing more than to get on board to get their freedom back. If my voice gets heard and helps people, then this has all been well worth it. If my kids have a better America to live in, then this is absolutely worth it. I really don't like this stuff. I never wanted to be part of a production or a movie or, you know, I'd rather be out in the fields fighting somebody. This is the way that we fight. If this is the way that we inspire uh, people to move forward and, and to come on board with us, you know, for the win, then I'll be here. So. My fellow Americans, it is time to take our freedom back. Here we are again. Let's do this. Yeah. I think we got something good today, fellas. I'm going to get Darren in, um, my uh, good friend and mentor. So we've got Darren zoomed in. You got us, Darren? Hi, Darren. How's it going, Darren? <laughs> Doing good. How are you guys? Good. So um, I came across something, and it was sent to me on multiple platforms, and it's a nice little... Uh, story i think that gives an illustration and it was something that i was like man that would be a cool one to listen to you know is to have darren on have you guys and we'll just unpack this thing a little bit see where it goes but i'll read the story first some of you may have read it or um seen it before um the founder of dubai sheikh rashid was asked about the future of his country and he replied my grandfather rode a camel my father rode a camel I ride a Mercedes, my son rides a Land Rover, and my grandson is going to ride a Land Rover. But my great-grandson is going to have to ride a camel again. Why is that? He, he was asked. And his reply, hard, men, hard times create strong men. Strong men create easy times. Easy times create weak men. Weak men create difficult times. Many will not understand it, but you have to raise warriors, not parasites. And add to that, to the historical reality, that all great empires, the Persians, Trojans, Egyptians, Greeks, and Romans, in later years, the British, all rose and then kind of fell within 240 years. They were not conquered by external enemies. They rotted from within. America has now passed that 240-year mark, and the rot is starting to be visible and is accelerating. We are past the Mercedes and Land Rover years, the camels are on the horizon. The greatest generation consisted of 18-year-old kids storming the beaches at Normandy. And now, two generations later, some 18-year-old kids want to hide in safe rooms when they hear words that hurt their feelings. They also want free stuff from the government because they think they're entitled to it. The camels are on the horizon for sure. So anyway, a lot said there, you know, because I think it speaks to, you could look at it from, I don't know, a bunch of different angles, but the parenting angle, the times we're in currently, it's 245 years in right now for America. So, you know, is this, I, I hate the thought that I'm just going to sit back and let it happen. I don't like that idea because I'm looking at my son, my daughter and the future of the country. And I, I'm not just don't want to just submit to it, but the, so then what's the counter to it? There's recognition. We can read the story and maybe find some truth in it for everyone's varying degrees, but what the heck? What are we going to do? Well, there's there's so many aspects to the rot that you were talking about, you yeah. know, from the education system to what's going on in government, uh, the media. I mean, 
a lot of it's laid out in the Communist Manifesto as to what they were going to attack, right? The values of our country, family, um, our religion. So there, there's, boy, there's a lot of angles there. Yeah, yeah. So what comes to mind for you first, Darren? Let's get you in on this. I know you could go my, all over it. My kids. Um, <laughs> I think it's always interesting to look at this from, and you know, how do we maintain object, you know, objectivity from the standpoint of, you know, what, I mean, it begs the question, you know, what can one man do? I may or may not be involved with downfall with this process. Um, I can only control my own internal rot. I can only, you know, help ensure that my own child, you know, teach him how to ride a camel, right? Um, <laughs> so what's, you know, I think it kind of comes down to, you know, for men in particular, there's this calling to community, to myself and to my family. And do you... And I think that begs the question for all of us, how, how much do I teach? I mean, I can resist, I can fight, I can engage in my community as a whole. How big does that go? Like, is, are we talking state community, county community, church community, work community, family community? You know, you have these different paradigms where as we kind of work through these processes, the, the amount of involvement I have in my world, my life, the amount of influence I have in my world, my life. And you can start big and go small or start small and go big. One, I start teaching my kid how to ride a camel. But then if I, I'm going to take a look at myself, then okay, then what did my father teach me? What did my grandfather teach me? And how do I carry that forward too? You know, am I talking to my good friends? Like, am I talking to Lonnie? Am I talking to, um, am I talking to my dad? Am I talking to my brother? Am I talking to other people as well? And then now all of a sudden from there, world, church, county, and government, and how do we, how much, how little are we doing? And I think we have a responsibility to be engaged as much as we possibly can in every way, shape, and form. We have a form of government that is struggling. You know, at this time, it's being challenged. It's really being worked over. So how far do you go? How far do you want to go? How much time and energy do you have? How far up the ladder do you want to go? And you really got to start to dig into your own personal resources, I think, as good men. And in my field of work, you know, there's one author, he talks about, he says, we are all kings by birth. Well, what kind of king are you? Are you just simply a king who serves out his own little serfdom because you answer to another king? Or are you actually a king of kings? And do you actually lead good men? Do you actually stand for what's right? Do you actually fight for what's good? And how far does that go? I think when I read old stories, when I look at things, I think these things for each one of us, talents and gifts and abilities, part to play. I know for the three of you, and your, your kingdom has gotten bigger since you took on the role that you each now have in what you're doing for your local community. You've gotten, you've certainly acquired more responsibility, more obligation, more responsibility, more accountability, because you stood up and you decided, I think I need to be more, more seen, more engaged, more involved than I was before. And you continue to carry that forward as far as it goes. Absolutely. So keep pushing but I think you got to do it with the same governing honor and integrity that led you to stand up in the first place, which was, it, it, it begs a question. If I'm, if I teach my son to ride a camel, but I'm not willing to teach my neighbor's son how to ride the same camel, then what kind of a man am I? What, what kind of a neighbor, what kind of a friend, what kind of a king, what kind of a, what am I doing? And I think to me, I always push on my own internal mechanism first. Like, 
if I'm going to do it, it has to be done well and it has to be done right. And then how far you go really becomes irrelevant because you'll carry it through to, you know, where it needs to go. And I know for some of us, some of the three of you in the room, one of you might not ever leave that room, really, that that might be it. But for somebody else, no, nah, it's going to be bigger. It's going to, something's going to carry you forward. You know, I know you guys are all business <clears throat> owners. Well, already you're doing it there. Your employees, the people that work for you, the people that answer to you, the people that you answer for, keep going. And at least what you have is if and when we're all riding camels, well, one of you might have a son who is a leader of a tribe who, you know, isn't isolated and all alone because there's enough people that can ride a camel and you start over, you develop a trade route, you do what you need to do. Cause that's what we all do when we need to, you develop, you adapt, you adjust, you overcome and you just carry forward. Yeah. You, so maybe the camel riding isn't that bad. <laughs> we'll go I back to horses. Heck yeah. <laughs> I'm going to teach my son how to ride a camel first. <laughs> and then I'm going to teach him how to teach the neighbor's kid how to ride a camel <laughs> and teach that neighbor's kid how to teach people how to ride camels. Yeah. I, and I think if you do that with honor and integrity, then you will have a group of people which will survive and thrive. Yeah, Rome fell. Last time I checked, Italy's still there. They're still a country. They're all fighting back all over the world. I mean, yeah. worldwide resistance. I mean, you're seeing more and more of millions it. Millions and millions of people in Australia, Italy, Germany, Canada, even here in the United States. And the mainstream media won't show it to you, but I mean, there's stuff going on. And the harder the globalists push for all these, this uh, tyranny, the harder the people are starting to push back. And, and you'll start to see the places that are more far gone and have less rights. And they, they got told to do this and that. And it's just like five shots isn't what, what I got to take a shot every two months now. They're fed up. They're done. They're yeah. saying they can't go and shop for groceries without a vaccine passport. They're getting, I mean, we've even got that stuff going on here at home now in San Francisco. People are rising up in San Francisco because they're telling a five-year-old that they have to have paperwork on them, a vaccine passport on them to participate in society. That's how bad we are, where we have adults that don't need an ID to go and vote. Right. But we need a five-year-old to have a vaccine passport on them. And I think that was the straw that broke the camel's back in... <laughs> hey. <laughs> while we're talking about camels in uh even san francisco they're having huge uprisings which is i'm just super excited about well i think we're i think we're turning the corner a little bit we're starting to you know win elections win lawsuits against mandates and that sort of thing and and uh but but if you you know you gotta you gotta look back at what how did we get here is part of the deal the media is really a lot to blame because um they they really for us to end up in this like woke culture thing we got going on where anytime you know you try and sp speak the truth almost nowadays about a certain situation you could get totally attacked and uh, you'll see people back down real quick you know because they don't they can't take that kind of pressure and i think now more than ever it's super important to speak the truth you know and in in our education system you know we have stupid stuff being taught to these kids between crt and I mean, like, there's a guy that writes about us all the time, this Sean Swaller or whatever oh, yeah. his name is. Yeah. He, he has a PhD by his name, but he teaches gender studies. You know, and to me, that's, I won't recognize his PhD because, you know, any, any sane person knows that there's two genders. So there should not be a complete course where every kid has to take, they, I mean, they have to take it for some of their general ed, you know. And I mean, we, we gotta, we gotta start standing up against that stuff and using some common sense again, man. That's yeah. all I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. And, and to maybe now if we unpack the, the story, you know, getting back on camels, it's not so bad. And that's the conversation that I have with Karina a lot is what are we actually preparing our children for? which direction, you know, we're not going to have a crystal ball. So, but what are the things that carry no matter what, whether you're on a camel or in the Land Rover and need to steward it well, or you're, you know, look, your job looks completely different. 
or the friend base or the community, or you're having to face huge hardship or less hardship. Cause I think the fear there is camel versus Land Rover is hardship. Well, if they're prepared for the varying things of hardship, then they should be fine. And that would be okay. Cause maybe we'll reset these systems that we know are rotting. Well, if it's rot, how do you, I mean, and that's tough. Cause we're super soft as a society now to think about truly hard times and, and to even prepare for it because right. I mean, I'm ticked if I, if the satellite goes out for a little bit when I'm trying to watch the news right mm-hmm. now, you know? Yeah. So yeah, yeah it's, it's pretty hard. spoiled. Uh, like, so we don't have a TV at my house. We don't know video games or nothing like that. So, you know, I believe, I think it's really important to, to teach our kids, you know, life skills, you know, teach them how to hunt, teach them how to fish, teach them how to sew, teach them how to cook, teach them how to, to grow food and, and can food. And, you know, these, these life skills that, and, and even if you hope for the best, you know, but you got to prepare for the worst at the same time. Now, on the other side of it, what if you can't do anything in life without some remote control and some, uh, you know, dystopian future, then my son's not going to be very good at that stuff. But <laughs> the other side, do it. He'll have to marry a wife that's sharp at that stuff. Yeah, yep. that's what I did. I got a, a wife who's, who's techie. She helps me out. <laughs> but I teach her how to fish, you know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, it is. It's an interesting one. And I don't know um, which, you know, there's all different directions that it needs to be dealt with. You know, whether it be like you're saying, what are you speaking the truth? to okay then where you know not everyone has this mic in front of them which I, I feel blessed to have and try and make positive influence for people and enable people so some may feel like well i'm talking to my family and they're spinning in a circle so i think that illustration of expanding just your circle and we've talked about that before but it's pretty important and then if the camels are coming because the rot's bigger than we can control well what are the characteristics? What are the, some of the things that we need to instill in family and in, in our local government or our local communities? So, because it may just outpace us. We might be turning the corner. It may outpace us. I don't know. I could definitely live without these giant corporations running every facet of our lives and, and they're just marching towards totalitarianism and they've in, created an inversion of reality where, you know, Woody was talking about, you know, they're they're just... It doesn't matter what you what you believe in. They're going to say if it's good. They're going to say it's bad, and and it doesn't really matter. But I mean, the, these we keep shopping with these companies, you know, and, and supporting them. You vote every time you shop, and and uh, you know, I don't want to see us go back to camels, but you know, maybe it wouldn't be such a bad thing. You know, I, I don't want to see Amazon. I mean, look at what Jeff uh, Bezos said the other day. I mean, I don't know if you guys actually saw that article, but. He said that a small percentage of the population is going to be living on the Earth in the near distant future, and that most people are going to be living out in space on some space station or some foreign planet. And like, no thanks. And you can you can <laughs> you can actually take like a trip to the to Earth because Earth is a precious place, and yeah. you, you know you'll be privileged to be able to take a trip here and there, maybe a couple in a lifetime to go see Earth. You know that you read about in books. But anyways, I don't want to see these these types of people, you know, the George Soros is the Rockefellers, the Rothschilds. Well, I, I agree, but I wanted to give our listeners or viewers something they can, you know, okay. So what's, what's an action step? What does that look like in their lives? You know, like, as we're talking from our seat, our understanding. So what's an action step? You know, what do they want? What's something we can give them that empowers that? Okay. Yeah. I, I either like or dislike the camel thing coming. I know we're at 245 years. So, okay, what am I looking at? Systemic rot in some way. So what do I do? That's what a lot of our listeners and viewers are wondering. And a lot of the people are wondering and they, some just want to look away from it. So, and equipping so they can be empowered to march towards it or alongside or whatever they're going to do. So what, what comes to mind, Darren? Well, I think the beauty for me is, We don't have to look, it's not hard to look back 200 years. We know, we know what kind of men and women and people made our nation what it is because we, you know, claims of bad history notwithstanding, we still know enough about the good stories. And I can go back and look at history of the rise and fall of Rome and Greece and everywhere else and anthologies and mythologies and stories and oracles that are written about, you know, 
societies, cultures, countries, people always lose their way for typically the same reasons. You're talking about comfort, being comfortable. You're talking about, you know, kind of doing things in a more easy way. We create cities because it's easier to exchange bills and goods. We create networks between those. Someone comes in, takes over, does, you know, it's just this repeated thing again and again and again. But what I find is go back to yourself, start with you. If you're going to have integrity, if you're going to have self-discipline, if you're going to have self-control, if you're going to have any kind of sustainable skill set, then go start with those kind of smaller pieces. Yeah, I was, you know, I have conversations with my kids all the time, like, you know, God forbid, you know, me growing up, we still had a rotary phone. We're so happy when we got, you know, a push button phone. How cool is that? <laughs> but so to me, you know, I go back to, I know it's plausible, possible, probable to do these types of things, but if you want to be self-disciplined enough, then really be intentional about going back to the skills I know that I was raised with as a kid about foraging and collecting berries from our property and cutting our own wood and relying on those kinds of things were because when the power went out where we lived, you, it was days before it came on again. So of course we had, you know, a wood stove that we could cook on and heat water with and those kinds of things. Not that we all have to go backwards that far, but be intentional, be deliberate. And, and I think when I read mythologies, the really cool thing about mythologies that I like to read is it's typically where men lose their way when they lose touch with the earth. If you lose touch with the earth and what it provides, you've got a problem on your hand. If you want to buy it, if you want someone else to get it for you, if you want to engage in other endeavors, then you got to be really clear for yourself. It's not necessarily that I just have someone else pick and gather my food for me. It's I'm losing touch with the idea of tangibly being involved that my, my living, my sustenance has to do with what I directly did that puts that kind of food or that kind of experience in my mouth. It's the touch and taste and see experience. And yeah, I, I don't do that, but yeah, I'm working on having a garden. I'm working on doing all those kinds of things, but I have a profession that I don't have the time to go out and do that. But I certainly go to the farmer's market. I certainly try and create friendships with my neighbors who are growing food. I'm certainly doing those kinds of things because I know the effort and the work that goes into that. If that means you buy only organic, go for it. If that means you just continue to go to the local supermarket and that's what you want to do, that's fine too. If you want to use a grocery delivery service now because you can afford to do that, that's what you want to do. To me, you have options, but don't let the choices you make allow you to become blind or numb to the experience of the tangible reality of your relationship to the earth. Darren, do you, do you think that this was intentional? I, I read an article that said over pre-World War II, over 80% of Americans could sustain themselves on their own property. And now it's below 5%. I think it's like three point something percent. And uh, I mean, it, to me, it would seem intangible, uh, an intangible thing for the government to do. I mean, if, if the government's gaining in power and becoming more like more regime-ish, they would want their people to be less independent. Does, does that? Yeah. To me, that doesn't strike me as independent because I, I have read and watched enough about if you look at any empire, it's the same thing. When we become rich and increased with goods, we have a tendency to collect in communal centers. It makes all of this stuff easier. I think it's more human nature thing for us to seek the path of least resistance. But the reality is, is there's consequences and to our own detriment. Right. And you look at, I mean, the easiest example of this is I don't think it was in the government's best interest to create this amazing city. And then because of the lack of care of the government, disease comes in and wipes out and kills most of the people. 
that's not intentional. That's just human nature. That's just consequence. That's just the result of what happens when you put a bunch of people in the same space. But you can you can read though. You can go into the go to the UN website and read like Agenda Twenty One and Thirty One, where they talk about intentionally moving people off of the open lands and into cities. I mean, it's it's all right. I thought it was a, like a conspiracy theory, but it really is right there where you can go read about it. And, yeah. You know, why, why would they do that? Well, they almost so don't even have to do that as a strategy because we do. There's a most most people will default to convenience. Yeah. Go and right it, along with it. Right. Yeah. Right. So it's it's a pretty. So I think both are true. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So now you have a perfect example of if I can begin to exercise my choice and the freedom I have. Then, because here we have a dilemma, I can, I can raise, let's say I've, I've got three kids. I teach them all to ride a camel. One of them doesn't want to. They have the freedom to pack up and go live and do and live their life the way that they see fit and choose to do. And I, you know, I can't demand and expect them to follow in my own journey, but by the same token, teach them if they want to do it. Great. If not, then you know, in this example you're giving, I might have one kid who wants to stay and live off the land with me. I mean, the kid is like, I, I'm tired of working this hard. I want to go do something else and try for myself and see if, you know, it is better on the other side and say, love you, love you. We'll be here when you come back, hopefully. But you, you have to engage in those processes where my, then my job isn't to keep my kids. My job actually is to teach my children how to stand and survive on their own. Yeah. And that's the only gift I have. And in the world that we live in, those variables sure as heck have changed. Yeah. For all of us in pretty yeah. profound so ways. So that's probably what a lot of what that story is saying. It's like it's changed so much. So what am I actually dealing with? Because I think about that all the time. Like I watch a movie where they're, you know, wagon training across and I was like, man, it in some ways, that's so simple. I've got to just deal with these. Now I'm trying to deal with what is going on. I don't even know which direction to look of what I'm actually dealing with. The globalist agenda, the UN agenda, the this, the that, the, right. you know, my dependency, my my inability or ability to deal with myself. Like you said, you start inside, so, internally. So, so you know. this is where I think people get lost. Yeah. I may or may not ever talk to someone at the UN and probably wouldn't change their mind anyway. Um, I can spin anxiously, fearfully on worrying about, you know, Woody, like you said, you know, what someone else's agenda may be. But all I know is they might want me to move to somewhere that they would like me to move but I'm just going to hang around and wait until they tell me I have to move and then we'll see what happens then. Because one, they might just leave me alone because we don't need him or want him anyway. And he's getting old and he won't last the winter kind of thing. Or maybe he, if he's still there five years from now, it doesn't really matter, but it'll be what it needs to be. But, you know, you're back down to, I know for me, one way to make that decision a lot easier is if, is if I've created a situation with myself and my own property, and if I don't have a lot of property, then maybe I do the best I can with, you know, learning how to, to, you know, create sustainable small food things on my property. But I create an awesome relationship with my neighbor where I work his land with him. And because then if someone comes knocking on my door and says, you got to go and I have no reason to leave. Well, that's going to be an interesting dilemma for them. Right. Because if I got no reason to leave and I got a community of my own of like-minded people, then you're, you can't convince me that I'm going to need your community because your community provides for me something that I want or need that I don't already have. Yeah. So why do I need, why would I need you? <laughs> Which is what a lot of us are feeling. Like why well, I don't need you in my house right now. No, we got way, way, way too much, <laughs> too much of you in our houses right now. Yeah. <laughs> Whoever that is. Yeah. So then continue to work on your own paradigm now, as long as I'm doing the best I can to be a good king with the responsibilities that I have 
and I recognize I need other people in my community to help support and take care of me, it sounds to me like you've got people who are really starting to take more accountability and more responsibility for their own life. They're starting to be less influenced by outside forces or outside people or outside kind of experiences. And now you're back to this. And this is, you know, Lonnie and I, we talk about this all the time. The, the ability to really kind of intrinsically or on your inside, make up your mind about who you're going to be and what you want to do. And you're less influenced by outside forces or external forces where I'm taking on the stress and the anxiety, or I'm taking on what other people think or what other people feel or what other people believe versus what I already think, what I already feel, what I already believe, what I already know is true. And I can listen to my community that I'm close to who will, by the way, tell me the truth, thankfully, because if you're screwing up, they'll tell you because you know, you're back down to building a good community. It's really important that the person who's helping me sustain a lifestyle, if I'm doing something that's interfering or thwarting their lifestyle because we've agreed to live something similar, you got to have accountability, which includes truth telling. Right. Exactly. I have to trust that you're not going to screw this thing up that we both agreed to do together. By the way, marriages kind of work better this way when we agree not to screw with each other too much <laughs> and, and we try and partner up and do this. But you're, And by the way, intrinsic locus of control stuff, the part where I have a say about what is happening to me, I didn't ask for it, I don't want it, but I'm going to determine who I am on the other side of this. I have a say about where this takes me or how it takes me. We're all involved in this process, but yet can you still self-determine? And well, the answer is you can always self-determine because I'm going to create a lifestyle that's going to provide and care for me in a way that you can present me something that might be equally or in your eyes more appealing, but sucks to be you because I'm very happy and content with the life I've chosen to create with my friends and family and community around me. And you just hope that it's big enough to sustain and take care of enough of you to really make it work and make it last for a really long time. But it starts with the idea that says, I didn't ask for this. We can identify false advertising. We can involve false narratives we can evolve we can identify per twisted realities from all these different groups and all these other different people but if i'm the one who decide what's real or truthful or right or good for me then what do i care i don't need the information you're giving me in order for me to make up my mind about what i think or what i know is right for me which that's, is a good construct for people. That is. That's yeah. kind of that's kind of how I roll because I I hear people a lot of times throughout the day talking. I mean, there's a lot of worried people right now, you know. Yeah. And uh, they get themselves really really wound up and stuff and they'll talk about a gun law or what whatever it is and I just say, "Well, yeah, that doesn't affect me cuz I don't you know, I I think that's unconstitutional and I'm just not I'm going to live my life how I think is best." Yeah. You know, with 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 not overstepping freedom, where like he's saying you're you're stepping on someone else's freedom, but right. li liberty is a different thing, right? Yeah, that's freedom with morality, and and that's a that's an important part of it. It's good to be aware of stuff, but some people, when you get overworked and anxiety about it, and you're wasting all this energy worrying about something, it's just that you're not getting anything out of that. You know, you got to take that and turn it into something that you can use, some kind of power that that it gives you to, to motivate you to like do something to make some change or you might as well just ignore it because if you're just freaking out about something and you're looking at focusing on the problem and you're not looking at any of the solutions then it's just going to eat you up man and yeah. and, and, and yeah. chew you up and spit you out and um you know i i don't know if any of you guys have been skydiving but i have uh i have a really good way of like not worrying about something until that moment, even like, say you have some big interview or some big event or whatever it is you're going to do. And maybe you're not a, a, somebody that likes to get up and speak in front of people and you're worried about it, but why are you going to sit there and worry about it for a week? Why not wait until you get up on the dang stage and then you can deal with it then. And it's just like jumping. I've only skydove one time, but it's like, 
I could have freaked out the whole time. Um, you know, but I didn't, it's like, I've flown in planes. I'm not afraid of flying in planes. I'm jumping out of planes. Yeah. I'd say I'm maybe a little <laughs> scared, but I didn't worry about it until the dang freaking hatch opened up or whatever you call the deal in the back. And, and then now you've got to jump. And that's when I'm like, but I only dealt with 10 seconds of fear, or five seconds of fear versus a whole week of fear, you know? Yeah. And th there was a comedian, I don't remember who he was, but he kind of broke it down. Like he, he was talking about getting pre pissed about stuff. Like, he's like, <laughs> man, he's like, Cause like, say something, you think someone's going to do something or something's going to happen. That's going to piss you off. So you get pissed off before it actually happens. You yeah. know what I mean? And, and then, and then it happens. Then you get pissed off again. Like why get pissed off twice when you can get pissed <laughs> off once or you get pissed. Or you don't even get pissed off. Or you get, <laughs> pissed, happen. You get yeah. pissed off about something that doesn't happen. And then, well, you got pissed off once when you didn't even have to get pissed at all. But yeah. anyways, but <laughs> I funny. think it's links to the confidence piece, like being tied to your food. Okay. Now. Now I don't feel that that's as threatened at whatever level that is for the individual. I think that's important because I don't want to, because that's what creates a lot of fear. Oh, I think I'm going to die from this virus. Well, that cr spins up a bunch of fear. So you have to know your baseline health and be owning that right to then properly, hopefully, or, or with a good clear mind navigate how much risk you actually have from that virus. Right. Because right. some people it's adequate, right? They're on there. They have some pre pre existing conditions where they sure as hell better not get it. So they better dig in and research everything and protect themselves as best they can for self responsibility. But then there's the people that are that I think that's where us in this room get frustrated. They're running for the same measures and it's inappropriate, but oh, then yeah. they don't have confidence in their ability to fight the disease or their own physical prowess, thriving ability to take natural remedies, whatever that is. So if you relate it to the virus or to the food, it's taking those responsible steps first and then being able to go, okay, well, yeah, I have neighbors that I have a good relationship with. I don't have to worry about them breaking into my house. Well, now I'm a little worried if I forget to lock the door or something, you know, they're watching out for me. Right. I have that relationship with the business owner across the street. We watch out for each other's stuff. Anything out of place, we're calling each other, we're letting each other know it's relational based. So that creates a different security or confidence or lack, or I can reasonably put that fear aside without just a, a you know ignoring of it. And if so, the right people get involved uh, that are business owners that are known in the community, then you can grow that into your community. Right, whole communities look out for themselves. And, yeah, which you know. was more required right when we turn back time because yeah. not everyone had. Uh, a, a milk that was or a cow that was producing milk right that that week but i had eggs and they had milk and i knew that and i knew that they cared enough so we've kind of been distanced from each other even though we're right next door and and i think it comes down to a relationship as much as it is the resources of the individual you're not gonna i mean i don't know all by yourself in the hills and the snow in a cabin like that's brutal like oh, i don't yeah. think anyone's looking to do that that's that's false you know that's not where you're gonna thrive so also the, that individual thing, that selfie mentality where it just it creates this little tiny bubble. You know, we've got to break out of that and know that relationship is as important. I need people to tell me if I'm off track as well as help me to learn to ride a horse because right. I don't know how to ride a horse. That's not in my family lineage. Way back maybe somewhere. But so I have to create relationships to learn. And it's not all solved with dollars and just what we're told that it's solved with but a, a lot of it's mentality right the part that we, they said we, we need to raise warriors and not parasites yep well it's not necessarily that we're running off to war we're going to be warring with the town next to us anytime soon but it's a mentality mm -hmm. right it's a aoc in that far left kind of a idea where they feel like they're entitled to all this stuff that's a parasite yeah. versus someone that just says, hey, man, I'll, leave me alone. I'll provide for my family and, mm -hmm. and my community and my church. And you know what I mean? That's a, yeah. that, they're not talking violence versus nonviolence as much as they're just talking about a mental attitude that you have. That, Absolutely. A can-do so attitude. So how, how do we raise them? How do we raise warriors? Right. Yeah. What well, it, when what someone some falls that? down, you don't, you know, when you, when you fall down, when, when someone falls down, you don't sit there and, and let him cry about it forever you teach him how to get back up and start kicking ass again you know yeah darren what do you think how we, how are we raising those those more i just I, read a little I think bit there's on always it. well I, every warrior culture i've ever known has its own code its own credo and i think if you want to develop your own but 
you know, I think, you know, I'm always looking at it from a mental health standpoint because, you know, that's my battlefield. Mm-hmm. But if you look at it from a perspective of raising people who have the confidence and the wherewithal and the adjustability and the flexibility to tolerate tremendous amount of life, life's going to kick your butt. Like, that's just the way it is. Learning how to deal with adversity, learning how to overcome suffering, learning how, learning how to learn, yeah. being willing to make mistakes, learn how to grow. You're talking about a resilient individual. Right. And you don't need to carry a gun and go to war to do that. You don't need to have a credo to do that. It's just, yeah, you, you, you pick yourself up. Right. But you got to believe that getting up off the floor, because the floor is a bad place to be and nobody likes to be down, but walking on my own two feet is better than crawling. Crawling's better than lying still and lying still's better than dead. So, okay, keep going. But you can be really clear from the standpoint of really starting to understand, you know, a warrior mentality or a warrior spirit. I love to break it down in different areas, spiritually, emotionally, physically, intellectually, parentally, socially. Well, financially, it could mean going to farmer's market to sustain these guys because I'm going to need them to keep their farm going maybe a little bit later. Socially, that would mean, do I have anything to barter? Probably not, but you know, I got my good hands and I can put some blisters on these things every once in a while. That's what I got to do. But socially creating those networks, you know, physically health wise, we're, we're not reinventing the wheel and we don't have to do it for ourselves. Because I know somebody next door grows mint tea or mint leaves, and I can start by drinking tea instead of other things. And I can do, these are small, tiny choices that over time build up into a lifestyle or into a world that you create in time, hopefully not under sheer duress. Like, you know, we're, we're not jumping out of the back of a plane right now. <laughs> I have to rely on a parachute, which is nice. But I like the idea that you're presenting where, why are we borrowing trouble from the future? Why that is anxiety. You know, this one author talks a lot about anxiety only exists between your two ears. Your inability to cope and deal with the world is really more about what's going on in your head than any really functional capability about what you're doing in the real world. It's not accurate. Right. It's perceived it's i'm taught that i'm supposed to be afraid of this so i must be afraid of it even though maybe i'm not really but well then that's weird why don't i think that way and if i don't think that way then there must be something wrong with me and you're off into the races like there it is so you have to at least take time to reflect on these components i to me reflect i slow down like what are you doing right I, i try and do the slow down kind of method of you know hey i if I can throw a baseball, I can swing an axe. Okay. So, I mean, to me, there's, there's a part where it's always amazing to me where, where we completely underestimate our ability to get in touch with the physical body, human nature, and there's this incredible resistance to change, but there's this incredible resiliency to massively overcome huge change and come out like, here we are. Right. Yeah, 240 years for the rot to appear, but I think we've been doing pretty good for 240 years yeah. for being such a young country to accomplish what we've done in such a short amount of time. You're talking, I mean, come on. You, you take a thousand years ago, what they did in three generations is nothing compared to the difference between my great grandfather who came across the Dakotas in a wagon, by the way, and my grandfather, my father, and now me. Yeah, pretty comfortable life. Soft? Oh, more than my grandfather for sure. The guy was a union buster. Short little man. Not a nice man. 
yeah, that's not me. So yeah, I'm soft. And I know for a fact, if he saw me, he would accuse me of being this Dubai sheik's great grandson who's as soft as he could possibly be. <laughs> Even though I thought it was horrific, the fact that, you know, my dad would tell me when I'm 11 and 12 years old, why he's a builder. He's like, why would I get a, why would I pay for a backhoe when I've got you? <laughs> yeah. That's what my dad said too. <laughs> so, it, I mean, there's this generational piece and I think, be careful. We're not reinventing the wheel here. Right. We've, we've learned tremendous things in our own lifetime. It's not a massive stretch to reach out to our children and to our neighbors and get in touch with their journey as well and understand we've all experienced hardship. We've all experienced difficulties. Some of it may have nothing to do with pulling something out of the soil, but we failed at businesses. We failed at marriages. We failed in relationships. We failed financially. We picked ourselves. Like, We've all learned through hardship. Well, the hardship we are seeing right now is a little different, a little unique, a little more global, a little more nation-building, impactful kind of an idea. And we have reason to be worried and reason to be afraid because the culture that we all grew up in we were allowed to do so much in such a short amount of time because we actually didn't have to worry about the neighboring fiefdom or the neighboring king come and stealing everything that I had just built and done. So with a relative ease, we've grown and been enriched and increased with goods, but that doesn't negate the reality that we've each struggled in our own way. We've all gone through hardship so it's not like I got to search for meaning here. Remember, tell your own story. Recognize what you've done and how far you've come and try and translate that into how can I make that more tangible now? How can I sow seeds of, you know, encouragement and courage and doubt and start to move myself forward because yeah i've gone through hardship and hopefully things are easier for me now but that doesn't mean that i can't go through hard i don't want to trust me i don't want to but i could right okay then it's not like i go reinvent the wheel it's not like i gotta start over and it's not like if i'm slow down and be careful enough I'm not going to recognize and be in touch with really my own journey and my own struggles along the way. And, and here's the beauty of this. What that does mean is that my own son isn't five generations removed from struggle and hardship. He's right next to me. Yeah. And if I'm paying any kind of close attention, I've heard my father talk. I've heard the stories he's told. I've, so I know he's now two generations removed, but he's still in touch with two generations who have actually learned a hell of a lot of life and how to do things the easy way, the hard way, the comfortable way, or the better way. Well, then what got me through, what got my dad through is going to be the same values to get my son through. And here's how this goes. You all have taught your children how to ride a bike well, you're going to teach them how to ride a camel. Well, if they fall off the bike, you're going to tell them the same thing on the camel. Camel, get back up. Keep yeah. going. This is how you learn. Pay attention. What did you do to piss the camel off? And learn and figure it out. And to, to me, I think we've all learned how to learn. I think we've all been forced to engage in the world where we learn as we go. And we also get put in situations where I guess I'm going to learn what I need to do after I jump out of the plane. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully I've prepped myself enough to, you know, not completely lose my mind. And here we go. And, and I think there's a beauty and the analogy of the guy jumping out of the plane is really cool because you know, the guy jumping out of the plane with you has done it a hell of a lot more than you ever will. And you can trust and rely on him. And that's what you paid him for. Yeah, but who packed the shoot? No, I'm just joking. <laughs> <laughs> that was just a joke. <laughs> yeah. uh, that's well, good. I though. think, but that's the analogy. I if you slow down and create a community close enough to you, 
suddenly this isn't overwhelming. Yeah. And I've got people that are as equally grounded, some of them literally in the earth more than I am. And I don't need to do this on my own and I don't need to reinvent the wheel. And we're stronger together than we are individually and on our own. But what do you bring to the table? What do you have to offer? And I think that's, we're right back to being in touch with you wake up in the morning and you're really clear. Do I have something to offer and, and what am I going to do? And how, if I find out I have something more to offer today than I did yesterday, if I'm a man of honor and integrity and truthfulness and I'm a man of integrity and I'm trying to be a good king, then I'm going to walk into my community and say, hey, I think I have something to offer that's going to be better for all of us than it was yesterday. And how about it? And what do we do? And where do we go from here? Yeah, that's and a good you point. Live within your own strengths. Yeah. And I don't, yeah, I don't need, that's why I got Lonnie in my life. I don't need <laughs> to do this the way I used to when I was 30 years younger. That's his job. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that we, all we can do is the best that we can, and that's it, you know? And, and, um, you know, I've had, when I was younger, people give me crap. I'd be like, man, this is the best day of my life. And they go, well, you said that last week. And I'm like, I, you can, I have a better day this week than I did. And you can always do, you could have a better day. You could always do better. You could be a better person this week than you were last week. And, but the thing is you can't, you can't go past that. You can only do the best that you can and that's it. And as long as you're trying your best and doing what you can, you know, then that that's it. You can't be hard on yourself if you're, you're, you're trying your best, you know, and, and I wanted to circle back to where we were, um, we were talking, um, you were talking, Darren, about um, where do we start? Do we start, you know, with our families? Do we start with our community? Do we start with the state? Do we start, you know, and, and um, you know, I think you got to start with yourself first. And, and you know, if you're like a healer, if you're like, uh, say you do energy work or chiropractic or it doesn't matter, you know, you have to be overflowing your cup has to be overflowing to be able to help somebody as a therapist if you're suffering you know and you're going through all this anxiety and depression and and who knows what and you're trying to help somebody else that's not going to work out the greatest for the person you're trying to help if you're not doing the work that you need to on yourself you know so i think first individually you have to work on yourself and then after that you take care of your family and then after that you take care of your family and your community and then you you move outwards from that in my personal opinion and that's all no, that i've I, got it's the only way it works. My, yeah one of my good mentors was very clear it would really suck if as a therapist i'm the lowest functioning person in the room they 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 were the therapist no <laughs> yeah yeah that's so that's i agree with you but that's where you know when you look at this idea of am i doing the best i can I think most honest men would be really clear and say, no, I think I could do a little better. And I think I could do a little more, but then start with, I think most of us who are even remotely self-aware enough, we already know where we slack off. We already know where we slide. We already know, but typically speaking, those are areas of growth that are more difficulty and hard for us to confront and deal with because you got to get off your ass and you got to provide some level of money. But now what I'm doing is I'm working myself over my own integrity. I cannot ask my clients to do stuff I'm unwilling to do for myself or won't do for myself. Works the same That's with your, okay. works the same with your kids. You know, you can't ask of your kids. Yeah. So to me, you want to be a really good parent ask your kids how you're doing and the, the love <laughs> i love children the young ones especially they have no guile they'll tell you where you suck <laughs> <laughs> i love it and but then there you go yeah. if you really are doing that but it to me that leads to the same thing if my children are asking me to show up in their life and be more available to them i'm pretty sure my neighbor my wife my community would do better if I showed up and was more involved in their life too. But you're back down to this piece. I think we really have to work over. You are a king. What kind of a king are you? 
And if you recognize that the world would be a better place if you showed up, then you know you're not showing up and work it. And that's where the rubber meets the road for all of us. I think the beauty of what you guys are doing is even this relationship here. Lonnie doesn't have to drag me kicking and screaming because I owe him a debt of gratitude and I'm accountable to him. And he asks and I support him. But I spend a tremendous amount of time supporting him and talking to him because he's chosen to put himself out there in a way that I'm not going to, I don't want to, and probably don't need to because I'm the guy behind Lonnie helping him and supporting him. But I also know you three, four, my, your group, your community that you're building, it might not be one of you, but I know any candidate for county government or further would be vastly better to be supported by a good group of men like yourselves. So it doesn't need to be you, but you could certainly be a launching pad for them to keep him connected, to help him stay rooted and grounded in his value system that brought him to you to begin with. And there it is. It might not be you, but it might be someone who you support and bolster, who's got the talents and the gifts and the ability and the desire and the wherewithal to carry this thing as far as he can carry it. Cause this is where you've landed and this is where you're best served about how you're taking care of the world and community around you. And we all have families and, and close friends and counterparts, wives, partners, who they are suffering or experiencing consequence of the choices and decisions that we make, but we're there for them in the same manner. It's, it's all time. So to me, we're not reinventing the wheel here. You're already doing it. But as long as you start with self-confrontation and you're really clear Honesty and integrity to me means if I open my mouth, I can't lie to you because you'll know I am. Where if I'm asking you to do something that I'm not already doing, well, two things happen. I don't have to do squat about it because I ain't going to do it because I'm not doing it already. I can tell you to do it and it makes my life easier because you're going to do the crap that I don't want to do. Well, we're not building community now, are we? No, we're just offloading responsibility. Yeah, this, yeah. this is the weakness crap where then you end up with someone who's willing to do it, even though they're not the most qualified or the best suited position. But, you know, you're back to, you know, good men doing nothing. Bad stuff happens. Right. Okay. Absolutely. Well, if I'm a good man doing nothing, then I'm telling you what kind of king I am. And I can tell you just from my standpoint, I have a problem when I look in the mirror and as long as you can work yourself over that paradigm, I'm pretty sure you can look your kids in the eye. You can look your wife in the eye. I know I can look my friends in the eye. Keep going. Can you look your county constituents in the eye? Can you look your state and governmental people in the eye and know that when, can you do that? Right. And if you can't, then what the hell are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Well, and that's where to start because you have, when we keep asking people on here, show up to the different things or the importance of it, they have to be working themselves over to even get to that point to be, okay, I have the capacity. I need to make the time. I do need to prioritize this. I'm not there and they're asking me to be there. We're, if you're listening to this and we're asking you to be there, then there's your ask. There's your community piece to, to show up. So do a little self work and then hopefully show up. Heck yeah. What do you got right there, John? Was that something you were going to Oh, read? I didn't. Oh, man, I didn't know if we were. I figured we were going to be talking about Rittenhouse at one point, and I just wanted to put my own little spin on it. If you guys want well, uh, yeah. to hear my piece. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Hear my piece on it. All right, pull up uh, pull up the, the second one that I threw out there. And I so the second link. Um, so everybody's celebrating, you know, about Rittenhouse winning. And, and this morning I woke up and I was wargaming this thing out. Like I, I, I think about this stuff constantly because we're playing this this game of chess here. And, you know, so, so we had this huge, um, you know, win that we should be celebrating over, you know. But I, I kind of think that it's a setup. And I know that you guys might not even agree with me. I just came up with this idea this morning. But... You know, the, the DOJ is already, you know, talking about, 
you know, oh, that, well, okay, well, we can talk about that too. We were talking about was this an agenda that, um, uh, to push people in prison like cities connected by super highways. And this was something I, I, I sent him over in the middle of the podcast, but we can, we can circle back to it real quick. This is um, the United Nations Agenda 21 map, simulated reserve and corridor system to protect biodiversity. Um, if you look, if you haven't seen this, this is uh, something that will get you to understand it on a deep level without having to do, you know, hundreds or tens or thousands hours of research on this. This is a picture says a thousand paragraphs in this instance anyway. So uh, the red is core res reserves and corridors, little to no human use. So red is little to no human use. Oh, yellow is highly regulated use, which pretty much if you combine the red with the yellow, it should all be one color. They just kind of fanc fancily said, uh, you know, uh, little to no human use, highly regulated use. So if you look, uh, the majority of the map is red and yellow. So that basically says you can't go there, peasants. The uh, orange is the the NAFTA borders. Uh, the green is normal use. So you see these little patches of, it's kind of a greenish blue turquoise color. I don't know what you call that, some kind of green. Um, and that's where people can be. And you can see how the uh, the globalists, this is United Nations Agenda 21. Um, so if you're wondering if there's an agenda to uh, put you in prison like cities, this goes all the way back to uh, 1987. Um, but anyways, yeah, there you go. Um, all right, go to the other emails I sent, Eli. And we can move on to the Rittenhouse stuff. And I'll put my spin on that real quick. I just wanted to get it on record because I think I'm on to something here. Um it was the previous email. So the DOJ um, is already talking about, you know, they're kind of hinting around. Uh, Nadler was out there yeah. saying, hey, the DOJ should press charges. Um, here it is. Uh, so here's Representative Nadler. This is a heartbreaking. Oh, this heartbreaking verdict is a miscarriage of justice and sets a dangerous precedent, which justifies federal review by DOJ. Justice cannot tolerate armed persons crossing state lines looking for trouble while people engage in First Amendment protected rights. First of all, from what I understand, it's not illegal to uh, cross state lines, those states, with uh, a weapon. But he didn't even do that. Right. And the people. So anyways, that's that's false statements right in there. But the reason I'm bringing this up is because um, this is what I think is going to happen. Go ahead and pull up the second one because I want to point out the hypocrisy of uh, Jerry Nadler here. Um I think that, think about it. If we're playing chess right now and we get to celebrate this win and it motivates the left, just think about it. How pissed are they that Rittenhouse didn't go down, okay? And we're sitting here celebrating. They're motivated. They're pumped. They're going to be rioting. It, it motivates their base. Now, what happens when the DOJ comes in and, 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 and uh, indicts Rittenhouse Think about how bad that's going to piss us off. All I'm saying is, is I think that's what we're going to see. Call me crazy, but I wanted to get it on record. Um, so there you go. That's that's my theory on it. I think they're trying to pit us against each other the best they can, and and I don't think they're going to let Rittenhouse get away with this. And I think it falls right into their agenda of keeping us divided and fighting with each other. So the same guy that's saying we can't let this happen okay we can't we can't let this injustice happen and this corruption in the justice system happen and rittenhouse who obviously there was all kinds of film footage obviously it was self-defense everything he did was within the law it doesn't matter they're just going to sit here and double triple quadruple down on lies um so back in uh uh J january 20th 20 2001 uh bill clinton commuted the sentences of a pair of radical leftists, okay? So um, he basically uh, pardoned, he petitioned the Clintons to uh, pardon the terrorist Susan Rosenberg who planted a bomb outside the U.S. Senate chamber in 1983 to assassinate Republican senators, okay? All the senators were in there and she planted a bomb and it blew that area up. And luckily, 10 minutes before the bomb went off, they got a tip that um, the bomb was going to go off. She tried to blow up all of the Republican senators, okay? And Nadler petitioned to have her pardoned. And now he's, I'm just saying, the same guy that says, oh, she's not a bad person, let her go, is trying to say that 
this kid who was a patriot who tried to defend his community and stand up for what was right is is that's injustice. I just wanted to I'll point that time. out. Well, I, I just to go back to the piece where, where I know we're out of time, but to go back to the part where we were talking about raising warriors versus parasites, Kyle Rittenhouse, whether you like him or not, is is a warrior. I mean, he's a kid that was volunteering his community in different levels of from being a lifeguard, being part of the fire uh, reserve. What is that called? That youth, uh, the explorers, the explorers, police explorers. And then when he saw trouble, he, he went, he went there. there. Yeah. He went there. And that's an American way and a warrior way to carry yourself, you know? And I have no doubt I, in listening and watching the trial, he didn't go there thinking, man, I hope I get to shoot somebody tonight. He went there thinking, man, I'm going to keep this business from getting burnt down. That was his mission. And, and he took a med kit just in case anybody got hurt. He was going to be willing to do it. So He even treated uh, people who were BLM or Antifa, one or the other, or both. You know, he did treat people. He said on Tucker Carlson that he was pro-BLM protest. Well, if you're pro-First Amendment, exactly. then you're going to support anybody else's First Amendment. You exactly. know? And that's, that's where we need to be. They've got us divided and fighting with each other where we should be supporting you know, different points of, of, of view. And whether you agree with it or not, you have to... But hey, it's our First Amendment right to be able to say you're wrong also. Yeah. So even though I support someone's First Amendment right, uh, doesn't mean that I have to agree with them. And I can... They need to be willing to listen to what I have to say also. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Well, an interesting little side note on Rosenberg, the bomber. That's one of the founders of BLM. And yeah, she did. goes by different aliases. And once she was released by Clinton, went and lived in Cuba a little bit. And yeah. her other partners, she was actually, I couldn't believe that was on their website. One oh, day yeah. I was doing research and I'm going, well, who's the staff? Who's the founders? And I'm reading their mission and everything. And it was, man. Yeah, people are accurate when they say it's not about black lives. This no. this gal's been in, you know, and, and then it Oh, yeah, being, wet weather underground. Yeah, it's just yep. crazy. So, anyway, that was a side note. But, right. well, I want to say thank you, Darren. I appreciate your insight always and jumping on here. And if it was your duty oh. just for me, man, I'm, I'm extra honored. Yeah. <laughs> we appreciate you, Darren. Thank you so much for yeah. coming in and you elevate, giving us some insight. You elevate the average IQ in the room. Quite yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's nice to have a little be oh, drug up a little bit, you know. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> but, Thanks yeah, for, and I think. Uh, chance to talk. Yeah, no, it was great. And I think maybe we'll do another one. We'll try and get some more Q&A. We'd open that up a little bit better. We were yeah. diving in there, hey, but yeah. Courage, guys. Take care of yourselves. All right. Thanks. You Thanks. too. Have a great day. Thank you all for watching the Patriot State of Mind podcast. Thanks, everybody. Bye.